0: We're in the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We haven't moved out of it it yet, and we're not going to this morning, so um, we're still in the book of Philippians, chapter 1. What a rich letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, the church that he helped plant and found um, together with a group of ladies next to the river and uh, this church became a wonderful church in the support of Paul and the gospel that he was preaching. Uh, They were just such an amazing resource within his life, and he writes this letter to them to thank them for their partnership in the gospel. He thanks them for the way that they care for each other. He writes and he says, you know, care for those who are risking their lives to preach the good news of Jesus. And so he says a whole lot of things to them. He also speaks into the whole issue of unity. And he encourages two ladies to get their act together. And he says to Eudice and Sincthe team, he says, come on, guys, um, help these ladies to find each other again. they special women. They help me in the gospel. But now they have an issue with each other. And it's um, affecting um, them and eventually it all affect the body and he says come on work together church and help those two ladies to find each other. And so he speaks about a number of things but he speaks about himself within the book of Philippians and um, he speaks about himself in a way where he is very transparent about his suffering. He's also very open to them about Um, the joys that he experiences. It is key when you read this passage or this book, this epistle, that you see that Paul finds a lot of joy within his relationship with the people. Paul is not so heavenly-minded that he is no earthly good. He notices people. His faith is not so spiritual that he says, it's all about God. It's all about God. Have you ever heard people say, well, it's just all about God? Well, God says, yes, but it's all about my people. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so we see that Paul um, values his relationship with the church. He values the relationships that they have. But then again, he is not so earthly minded that he's no heavenly good because he brings the gospel into The fellowship of the people. And he says your fellowship is but earthly if the gospel isn't central within your relationships. We find here at Lyft that we are very easily deceived that all that we need is one another's friendship. And then we become a club here. If the gospel is not central to... Our relationships here, we have become so earthly minded that eventually we'll be no heavenly good. And Paul, within the book of Philippians, brings those convictions together so that that the church can become mature. And he is saying to this church here, come on guys, let's become mature, but let's do it within community. Paul writes in the book of Philippians About community. Community is essential to church worship. He says, friendships is essential. Flesh and blood together is biblical fellowship. And he says, guys, make sure that you highly esteem this truth. And so we see that it's really a dynamic letter that he writes to them. And I feel that Paul is writing this letter to us as a church. And one of the key verses that we looked at in the beginning when we started this series, and I think the overwhelming theme of the letter, I think it's the overwhelming theme of all Christianity, is that Paul says that whatever he does and how the church should live, that they should live for his praise. He says, for your praise and for your glory, and he points his finger. He says, that is the key. To all Christianity. It's Jesus. There are other aspects that's very important, but nothing compares to living in such a way that brings him praise and that brings him glory. As I was thinking about this concept about three weeks ago, within my mind, I could see that Paul, when he thought about, you know, uh, um, living for his praise. I could see Paul just walking around and just clapping. I'm living for your praise. Lord. I just love that picture. Just living for your praise. And then when he says, you know, Lord, it, it, it's for your glory, that he just points his finger and he says, it's for your glory. That's the picture that I have, that the book of Philippians emphasizes Yeah, And everything else, the gospel that he preaches is for his praise, and it's for his glory. The fellowship that the people enjoy is for his praise, and it's for his glory. And he writes within this context, and he comes to this amazing verse that we looked at last week in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Now, we read that passage extensively last week. I'm not going to read the whole passage for us, um, but it's a great passage. Just again, just to read. I don't know, over the last three, four weeks, I've read the book of Philippians, I don't know how many times, maybe five, six, seven times. Just read it and read it and read it and read it. And every time, my spirit just picks up something else that that I just rejoice in. And this verse, I think, um, is so incredible. Um, One of the small groups who met this past week just spoke about this verse, and a small group leader said that they got so much out of it just talking about it, and it's such an amazing verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. You know, in this whole passage of Scripture, what we're going to be looking at today when we read chapter 1 verse 21 is simply Paul is saying to the church here as he writes to them he says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain let's just leave it there like I said we read the context last week Paul says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain and then Ryan after Sunday and I saw Ryan here a little while ago. But Ryan, oh, there he is. He's a little bit shorter. Can't see him. There we go, Ryan. Um, he sent me uh, just what the German Bible actually says about Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. And, and, and it's very, very powerful. And maybe I can get you to tell us all about it. But um, it says, Then Christus is mein Leben, and das Sterben für mich nur gewinnen." And uh, it's it's very close to the Afrikaans Bible, which I grew up on, my mother reading it for me. And the Afrikaans Bible says, Von <laughs> is die Christus and a starve It's just beautiful. I think the Afrikaans even says it better than the German. <laughs> I think the Germans got their language from the Afrikaners. And the Dutch would say, "No, they got it from us." <laughs> Very thankful for the Germans here. <laughs> but it is just so powerful, you know. Then is mine, Leben. Christ is my life. That's so brilliant, isn't it? Christ is my life. This is what Paul is saying, and my desire for us as a church, as we step further into 2022, is that your life would be Christ. And as I was reading it, I was going through the mindset of Paul and all of the arguments against Paul when people say, you know, he was pretty radical in saying that. Would you agree that's a radical statement? People would say, well, he was single, so he didn't have to worry about children. He didn't have to worry about a wife. As far as I'm concerned, if you're married and you have children and a wife, it's a massive privilege. It's not a deduction, amen? You better say yes on that one, (laughs) otherwise you're in big trouble. (sighs) But yes, Paul was single, you know, and and, and when he says, for me to live is Christ, when he says, um, uh, my life is Christ, uh, when he says, uh, "For me to live is Christ, is the Christus, life is Christ. that's what life is all about. He said, man, don't you think he just needs to tone down a little bit? Just Paul, just just tone down a little bit. I remember I was 15 years old. I was at an Afrikaans school called Bassa. In a place called Rustenburg in South Africa. I went onto a camp and uh, the life of Christ was radically released within me in, in such amazing ways. I had a wonderful community of Christians who support me, who encouraged me, a wonderful mother who prayed for me, and people who really cared about my faith. And I remember with the school, we went to a a a, a um, we called it a fout school in South Africa, which means it was, you went out and you went camping together with, with your grade and we went out and, and I remember we were just uh, sitting and we were about to eat together and I was at a table and I said to the guys, let's pray and let's thank God for the meal and the teacher sitting there and I won't tell you what his name was, but um, the teacher said to me, Piet, there's a time and a place for everything. So what he was saying, it's not quite the time now to pray. You know, and I said to him, Sir, for me, Jesus is all the time, not just some time. And I feel passionately about it. I felt passionately about it then, and I feel even more passionately about it now. You know, people would say to Paul, as the teacher was saying to me, he says, Peter, don't you think you're just a little bit radical? Well, I'm glad I was radical then. And I think lift as a church, we can become a little bit more radical like Paul. Where we have the attitude where we say, For me to live is Christ. My friends, for me. We love Christ wherever we are in the workplace, wherever we are on the ski slopes, our life is Christ. When we're on our bicycle, that life is Christ. We don't compartmentalize. For Paul, he was imprisoned here. He was chained to a different prison guard every single day. And my friends, he says, you know, that's the place where I want to be. He says, I wanted to go to Rome. Rome was the epic center of the world at that time. All roads did lead to Rome. And as a result, he wanted to plant the gospel right there so that people's lives can be transformed and they can take the gospel further out. And so as he was chained to the gospel, he was preaching the gospel to the prison guards. I wonder whether the jailkeeper didn't say to him, Paul, there's a time and a place for everything. I think Paul said as he wrote this letter, he says, for me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I think Paul said to him, want for me is die lewe Christus, and he sterwe wins. I think Paul said to them, den Christus is my leben, and do sterben for me nur given. I think he was passionate about that. And my friends, in 2022, the three things that we're passionate about as a church going into this year is that we want to trust God for a lot more. We want to see the gospel go way further than what it has. Trusting Him for more. We want to go deeper in God because when the challenges come, we want to go deep in God. That's what we want to do. We want to maintain our mission And we want to love people through the gospel. We want to do it. For that to happen, we've got to embrace this mission statement of Paul when he says, The life I live is Christ. And to die is gain. I, think I, I will never. I don't think I'm going to get further than Philippians chapter one verse twenty-one in this series ever. You <laughs> know, it, it just grabs a hold of it. It just binds together every statement in the book of Philippians, doesn't it? But. It is so apt that as he was jailed and as he was chained to the gods there every single day, that he could say, For me to live is Christ. But then, you know, he makes this very powerful statement and he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is just so incredibly powerful. Over the last few weeks, as I was looking at this incredibly strong phrase, I, I looked into the heart and the life of Paul, and I wanted to know whether he actually meant it. What he said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Did he actually believe it? Because, you know, sometimes I live in such a way where, by my lifestyle, doesn't do that statement justice. I'm so bound to my earthly life, my earthly pleasures, my earthly goals, that when I look at that statement that Paul makes, I'm not sure whether my life is a doctrinal statement about gaining in death. And so this has been a wonderful reawakening again in my spirit, to say that if I truly live for Christ, then die. Will be gained. Now we know that our salvation eternally is secured in Christ because of what he's done for us on the cross. Amen? And I'm with that. That's the foundational truth that we stand upon. Saved by grace through faith. That's it. But my friends, fear of death will be dealt with if we become more radical in our faith and we're able to say that for me to live is Christ, then we won't have a problem saying to die is gain. And so there's a presupposed statement here that if you live for Christ, if your life is Christ, then dying will be gain. I think if you don't live for Christ, you'll be a fear of death. If you don't live for Christ, to the extent that we need to grow into, death will be something that we hardly ever speak about. Agreed? Death is something that we will have very little understanding of, and when it happens, we'll only give attention to it. Within my life, I've had to give attention to death very, very often because that's part of my work. So I said a few weeks ago, the previous church that we were involved in, I did um, preside over many, many funerals. And um, most of them were an absolute joy to speak at. An absolute joy. And some of them were not an absolute joy. And we've got to make sure that when it's not an absolute joy, we need to ask the question, why? And for us, it was always a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel at those um, memorial services. And it was such an encouraging service. It was an uplifting service because most of the people that um, we did the service for were people who had a faith in Jesus because of what he's done for them. But the ones who didn't have it, there was a noticeable change in the atmosphere. Noticeable change. There was no joy. um, There was no hope. And it was very recognisable. The important thing that Paul says here, and he was facing impending death. And whilst he was facing impending death, it was very difficult for him in the writing of the letter to say to the church at Philippi, you may not see me again. And so he makes the statement and he says to them, for me to live is Christ but to die is gain. And then he goes on and he says, but if I leave and if I depart, he says it's of great benefit for me because he says you know, it is far better for me to leave because it's better to be with Christ. But he says, it's a whole lot better for you if I remain. Again, he was not so heavily minded that he was no earthly good. He says, it's better for me to stay. He says, you know, you actually need me amongst yourselves. It wasn't arrogance, it was truth. And he says, and so I don't think I'm going to die now, I'm going to hang around for a while. But he says, you know, actually if I had to die, it would be a gain for me, it would be a win for me. I um, was very privileged to do my grand's funeral, um, probably about five years ago. But the greatest privilege was that about nine months before she died, I had the privilege of leading her to Jesus. Um, she died when she was 91. And her and I, we had a love-hate relationship over the years. She, she was very different to me. And both, I think I inherited some of her stubborn streaks. And so we saw certain matters very differently. And so when we got together, we either loved each other or we fought. And I tried to do it in a respectful way, but I didn't always succeed because we thought so differently about certain things. And I remember the one day just sitting in, in her room and I said to her, Gran, I said, Because she said to me, Piet, would you do my funeral when I die? I said to her, I will do your funeral if you could tell me for sure that when you die that you'll be in heaven with Jesus one day. I said, do you believe that? She says, Piet, I'm not sure about that. I said, well, Gran, why don't we make it a certainty today? And she said, okay. Now, she grew up within a Dutch Reformed church. All of her days. But never had someone ever challenged her personally on that part of her relationship. She was religious, but she wasn't saved. And I said to her, "Grand, this is what the Bible says. Do you believe that? Absolutely. I said, this is how the Bible says that you can be sure that when you die, you'll go to heaven. She said, can you help me with that? I said, absolutely. And we prayed that prayer together. And nine months later she died and at her funeral all of the people that she had wronged and that she didn't have time to make right with I could be her voice and I could say to the people at that funeral I just said to them do you know what this lady that died today is different from the lady that you knew previously and out of that I could share the wonderful gospel, how God's grace and his mercy enters our lives and how he changes us and how there is how he wipes our past away and we become new. And my friends, the most amazing thing about what Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, was so true of her life. Because when she died, she gained. And that's God's grace in operation, and I could explain to some of the family who didn't have a good relationship with I could explain to them, hey, you're a Christian, she's a Christian, we're going to spend eternity together. She's different. My friends, all of this theology is covered within the statement that Paul makes for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Mark Twain said, This life is a losing proposition. Nobody gets out of it alive. Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Feel the same, don't you? William Penn said, for death is no more than a turning of us over from time to eternity. And I love what J.K. Rowling says. To the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Martin Luther says it even better. He says, every man and woman must do two things alone. He must do his own believing and his own dying. And John Piper says this, probably my best quote. He says, I don't so much pray. That my death will be without pain, but that it will be without doubt. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You see, Paul could say this because for Paul, heaven or death was not an unknown you know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 6, that Paul actually died and he went to the third heaven. And so when he writes this statement, so Paul could say, for me to live is Christ. He could say so because heaven was not unknown to him. He went there. And so when he writes this statement, he writes out of an experience that he had with Christ. And he tells us about heaven, and he says, my friends, I want you to know that when you get to heaven one day, it'll be a gain for you. So when he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, for him, heaven was not an unknown. For Paul, death or heaven was not a punishment, It was a reward why could he say so because he went into the third heaven god spoke to him about incredible things there and he says you know i can't even tell you about those things but he says when i say for me to live is christ for me to live is christ and to die is gain he says my friends you can trust what i say you are gaining he says thirdly for paul Life and death in heaven is not an accident, but it's an appointed time. Life and death is not accidental. It is appointed by God. And I struggle with this statement. I don't know if you do sometimes. I believe that God is sovereign. I believe that he has our lives within his hands. And over the last two years, numerous of my friends lost their lives. And some of their children lost their lives. And some of their children were the ages of Ryan and Chris. And some of them, um, we did ministry together with their children, and, and they died. And they died horrible deaths. And and, and, and so when I share this statement with you, I don't share it just purely from a theological point of view. Because it's easy to preach it, isn't it? Sometimes it's a whole lot harder to, to love it. And so I want to be transparent with you that's some of death I struggle with. But one thing I do know that the Bible says that when death comes, it is not accidental. It is appointed by God. Hebrews chapter 9 verses 27 and 28 says, and as it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after this comes the judgment. It's appointed unto us. And so my friends, when Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, he's got a strong theology that God is in control of life and death. I honestly believe that when I die, that is when my work on earth is finished. I really, really believe that. I believe wherever I go, whatever I do, that God will keep me alive until my work is finished and he'll take me home. How many of you believe that for your life? I, I tell you, it, 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 it's not always that easy to say yes. Am I right? I, I, I just really want to be transparent with you here. You know, I've had to work through this one. And over the years, I have come to this conviction that if God had to take me, I'm 57 now. If he had to take me and I'm 58, I believe that it is God's will and it's within his hands. Why? Because I do believe that I live my life for Christ. It is not pride. It's a statement of fact. Each and every one of us has, have to leave you today and, and we need to be able to make a commitment in faith to say, Lord, every single day I'm going to live my life for you. When you do that, there is no doubt that when God calls you home, that it is your appointed time. It deals with fear. There hasn't been one day over the last two years with Corona, that I've been fearful. And I've had to go into homes where people were not vaccinated. I've had to go into homes where people were sick. And um, I went in there, and you know that I'm triple vaccinated and I've had COVID, so I should be, you know, full, well, COVID proof. But of course I'm not. You know, I go all of those, but it ne- I, I never had a second thought. Of doing that because that's the work that God has called me to and as long as I do the work that God has called me to that when God calls me home it will be his appointed time now, the journey may not be that good the journey may be a little bit tougher none of us like to get sick but my friends the truth is that so many of us live in fear because we're not sure whether our lives are being lived for Christ. And out of this, we're not sure whether death will be again. I can tell you, each and every Christian, if you're a Christian, if you've believed and trusted Jesus for your salvation, your life in death will be again. When you die, you will gain doesn't matter at what age you are, it will be a gain for you. This is what Paul is saying. Kima and I, we spoke about her mom. Uh, It was how many years years ago? Six years ago last week that her mom died. And every year Kima and I speak about it unplanned. And I think about, I've only met Kima's mom a few times while they've come here. And in those times I really, really loved Kima's mom. And every year, for some reason, I remember Kima's mom's death. And, you know, remembering your mom's death is a reminder of me that your mom has gained. You know, for Paul, there is an appointed time for each and every one of us. And let's live in such a way. Not that we get to heaven, because we can't live in such a way to get to heaven. That would be worse. But let's live in such a way that when we die, that there are no regrets, that we didn't make the most of the time we had here. Amen? That's the message here for us today. I'm 100% sure where I'll end up if I die today. And um, Paul, and I have spoken about this several times, And Paul said to me a while ago, he said, Peter, I think I'm going to die soon. Are you still with us, Paul? And we're so glad about that. And in our conversations, he was treated for the dreadful disease that he has. And in the place where Paul and I was, I looked at him square in the eyes. I said, Paul, I said, 100%, I am sure that if you had to die tomorrow, that You will be with your heavenly, you'll meet Jesus face to face, you'll be in heaven. There's no doubt, because I was there when Paul gave his life to Jesus. And when God transformed his life. My friends, death has no hold on us. When we're sure about that time when Jesus changed our lives. I want to ask you a question just as we close now. I want to ask you, how sure are you about that time when you gave your life to Jesus that it was an act of God within your life where He saved you and He transformed your life? How sure are you at that time? How sure? For me, it was hard to put a date and a time to it because I grew up in a home where my mum brought me up in the faith. And my dad was there, my sister, and I grew into a place where I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God had changed my life from the inside outward. So, some of you may be where I'm at. You say, "I'm not. I don't know about the time, but I do know." That Jesus became our Lord over that period of time. I know for sure that I am saved. My friends, if you find your place there, never ever again do you have to fear death. Amen? The older I get, the more I realize that there is nothing that I can do to save myself. If you think so, you're miserable. You'll be insecure within your faith. My full salvation depends fully on Jesus. But there has to be a knowing that you belong to Jesus. There has to be a knowing. I want to challenge all of us today. Make sure that you know that time. And then secondly, I want to encourage you to live in such a way that when your appointed time comes, that there's no regrets as a Christian. Someone once said that when your time as a Christian comes to die, all you need to do is to die. I love that. All you need to do is to die. I had the privilege of doing my dad's, well, to be there when my dad died. And uh, that was about three years ago. And we worked really, really hard to make sure that my dad uh, became a Christian. And he became a Christian late within his life, and we had the privilege of baptising him. And um, when he was dying, the pastor in Portugal um, of my sister's church went, and he came to me, and he said to me, Peter, I made sure that your dad was right with God. And I said to him, I knew that my dad was right with God based on the commitment he had made. Because when my dad died, all he needed to die that day was to die. And the most incredible thing was that it was was a Sunday, and this pastor had asked me to preach in his church that day. And as I was preaching the gospel, I was busy preaching the gospel, my dad was lying in the hospital and he died while I was preaching the gospel. They phoned me after I finished and they said, your dad had just died and we we could celebrate his death because I knew that he was with Jesus. My friends, this is the beauty of the book of Philippians. Paul says to the church here, as we close now, he says to the church here, he says, guys, My life is Christ. But he says, I don't know what to choose, to stay alive or to die and to go to be with Jesus. He says, I know what is better. He says, it is actually far better for me to die and to be with Jesus. He says, it's better with him than with you. He says, but Jesus doesn't need me as much as you need me. So he says, I think I'll probably choose to stay on a little longer. And one of the theologians said that Paul was around 55, 56 years old when he made that statement. How about you? How sure are you today that for you to live is Christ but to die is God? Would you stand please and can I have Try and the team to come forward. Death shouldn't scare you. I know the pain does, the process does, the mannerism as we spoke last week. But heaven for Paul was a place of great reward a great reward for your loved one who knows Jesus how about for you how about for you at home let me pray for us Father as we spoke about life and death briefly today we thank you for the privilege as Christians that we have to be in a position and a place where we do not need to fear death for ourselves as Paul said that if he had to die it would be gained for him it would be a reward he will see Jesus face to face But Father, may this truth inspire us as a lift church, here and also online, to make a new and a fresh declaration that while we are here on the earth, that our lives is Christ. Mm. For me to live is Christ. I pray that we would grow in our radicalness around this truth. And Father, that this year, your grace would be so evident within our lives because we're living for you, that it would draw others to want to know about this hope that is within us. Father, would you move so powerfully within our lives. Lord, we pray for those at home, online, and maybe here, who are not sure about their salvation. They're not sure that Jesus is their Lord and their Saviour. They're not sure that their sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. They do not have that confidence. We pray, Father, that as we sing, that the Holy Spirit would continue to work within their hearts as he has done this whole service and bring them to that point where they will be sure today, before they leave, that their names are also written in your book that you have of every believer who surrendered their lives to you. Lord, we pray for that as we sing together in Jesus' name.